Welcome back to Open Graves. Welcome back. I'm Vesta Vangloria. I'm Heather Noel. Heather is on some dental drugs today, so we're going to have a fun, interesting time. I'm quite loopy. I apologize. <laughs> I can't quite brain like I normally do. I'm going to try. I believe in you. Yeah. And we are joined by Pollyanne. Pollyanne <laughs> Hornbeck. Thank you so much for joining us today. Yeah. Well, great. I know we've seen you. Um, I've seen you around for quite a while. It's uh, you're you're one of those staples in the goth world, the goth underworld. Yeah, you're just somebody that it's always a joy to see. You always either are bringing me a flower to put in my hair or having a kind word to whisper in my ear, smelling delicious as usual. Um, and so, yeah, so it's always been a joy to, to know you. And then recently Vesta and I were in talks to do a podcast with, uh, Sarah Jappe and Kim Hurst. And she actually, uh, was, was suggesting you for our podcast. And I was like, duh, why didn't I think of that? So yeah. Mm -hmm. So shout out to Kim. She was, you know, and not only are you this, you know, mythical creature that we see in the clubs, but you have some hype, hype women. <laughs> I've been yeah all right yeah um well I represent the elder goths <laughs> I love um there's people at the clubs I've been dancing with for 30 years I, I just, love that. such a joy you know and the funny thing with Kim is uh, I was doing makeup for a monster garage episode my my friend Larry who I'm with at the club everyone thinks we're married yeah. I know we are both happily married to other people <laughs> Coincidentally, both friends. Um, he he's the editor and he was working on Monster Garage for a long time. So I came out to do makeup. And then they said, I want you in the scene. I go, no, nah, I came to do makeup. And they said, yeah, but you've got this great green hair. I'm like, all right. And so I was in this big group of people walking down a hill in Calico Ghost Town. But it was really rocky. And Kim had big shoes on. So she, I was worried about her. So we, we started going down the hill. Kind of, I kind of was hugging her and helping her stay up as we got down the hill, and then she started kind of, st kind of stalking me <laughs> a little bit, kind of fun stalking, thinking we need to be friends, and um, we became friends. And she really got me back into dancing because I had kind of stopped. You know, I I kind of believed that you're too old. You know, there's other things to do, and I was really busy with with work and other projects. But she got me to a lot of new bands and back at clubs. So the reason you see me so much now. You can thank Kim Hurst. Yeah, Aww. not do we see you, but you're out there and to see you rocking the cane. I mean, <laughs> it's like nothing's going to stop you dancing. Not yeah. even trees. So. Well, definitely it's my biggest social outlet. I see more of my friends and it's a beautiful club. Great music. I like loud. I get to dress up. Um, and that's a result of a couple of motorcycle accidents. After the first one, I came as soon as I could walk on a walker. I painted my walker black. I remember. I, I remember <laughs> that. I was there for that. And I was like, holy shit, you're a trooper. That's some grit. I love yeah, that. Yeah, that is badass. <laughs> Did you dance that night? I could wave, you know, kind of move. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. Okay. In the beginning with the cane, I was kind of just lurking. But now I can dance a little. And there's better days than others. Uh, yeah. A couple weeks ago, I danced all night without a cane. And that was like a big benchmark. Oh, congratulations. Nice. Wow more of those days to come yeah i've done stuff how do, how do i begin <laughs> i didn't want to we usually start with you know our famous question which i'm sure you've heard is like what is your darkness and which is 
what sort of brought you to the darker leaning music and the melancholia and drawn to that sort of style and um, macabre atmosphere, if something in your past uh, triggered that, or if it's something else, uh, just a sheer love of the dark rainbow. Well, I think it really started and it stayed from when I was a little kid. I used to watch uh, Thriller Chiller and Creature Feature with my dad on Sunday afternoons. And I start out in front of the TV, I end up in his lap, you know, and the Bela Lugosi movies were unbelievable. All, and I loved all that stuff. And I think even for my sixth birthday, it was my Batman birthday. I had a big necklace with a bat, you know, felt and beads. And my cake was a Batman. And my, my uh, lollipop was a Batman. And it kind of just stayed there with that just seemed to be the aesthetic I was interested and attracted to. Books on death, books on um, medical texts about the body, poetry, uh, you know, everything that anything that really kind of perked my interest seemed to be that. And it just kind of stayed that way. And my mom always said, you know, march to the beat of your own drummer. Don't let somebody, you know, form you or feel like you have to follow other people. And that kind of really stuck. And, you know, my first colored hair was Kool-Aid. <laughs> <laughs> and then, you know, it went up. And then just finding other people with that aesthetic, I guess, you know, that's definitely part of it. And also my first job out of college, I worked at the LA Weekly. And um, I had a lot of light oh. around that. And not very long after I started, I just started pasting up calendar boards, the old fashioned way with T-squares, the way it should be done. <laughs> and um, my boss was Dina Sparks from L7. And it oh. wasn't that long until uh, Craig Lee asked me to start covering music stuff because nobody else likes the golf and industrial. <laughs> I was the only one. So I'm like, cool. And so that started me getting a lot of, I even think about this till recently when I, this kid in New York called me about interviewing me for the uh, Haunted Garage interview. Oh, and yeah. I thought, I thought uh, well, yeah, I went to a lot of shows, but I'm not a very good historian and I was pretty loaded. Um, but I talked to him and then I started thinking back about the impact of the weekly, you know, working for the weekly and going to see all these bands, the scene made my whole gothness stronger and, oh, and more interesting with yeah. new people. So, you know, I got to do a lot of cool stuff. I got to go to a lot, a lot of cool clubs. And, you know, one day the editor said, hey, you want to interview somebody? I'm like, all right, what? Bill Collins? He, said, no. <laughs> he goes, no, Nick Cave. And I went, Whoa. what? <laughs> and I was so excited until close to the interview. Best is now awake. So <laughs> I know. I you can so see Nick Cave poster behind me right here on Zoom. Oh, oh my. Well, we love the Nick Cave. Mm -hmm. And his magical transformation throughout the years and his, his, his deaths of his sons. Um, so I was really excited until I sh showed up. You know, he doesn't like interviews already. He doesn't like to get his photo taken. Yeah. We were there first thing in the morning, his first interview, and I was with a photographer that was not cleared on their side, but we didn't know. So he was not happy to see us. Ah. And um, it was a difficult interview because he kept trying to look at my notes. But he warmed up to me because he could tell that I was not going to ask him about the birthday party and boys next door. And, and uh, we talked about some cool stuff. This was also right after he had got out of rehab after being arrested for heroin. Wow. I brought that up and I knew he didn't want that. But we talked about it a little bit. I got a great interview out of him. I really did. Um, and then he invited me to stay with him the rest of the day. I other <laughs> know and, and Jonathan Gold, that was in hindsight it's great at the time it was a little bit like 
I can't believe this. Or at that door, I was terrified. What did and, you oh, guys do? I, I have to know what you guys did. Well, we went to CNN for oh, another okay. interview and uh, some, some other, some other place I don't really remember, but you know, um, Oh, the one thing that made it worse by already being nervous, we got in there, there was a German film team filming me interviewing him. Oh. So I was just so you know nervous. But yeah, he did invite me to come around the rest of the day. I got a great picture. And Jonathan Gold was my editor then. And anything to the paper, anything to my piece that's that's improved was all by him. He just he was, is the best editor. He didn't change really anything, but just fix, just finessed everything. Oh, I miss him. I think we might oh. need that photo for our Instagram. <laughs> oh yeah. If you oh, can okay. find it. Oh yeah, I know. <laughs> I know exactly. Oh, great. That's my King Ink book. Yeah, so that kind of led to one thing after another, just kind of staying in the scene and making friends with people. And I guess the whole Haunted Garage thing was that people he interviewed all talked about me. And it's because I was, you know, writing for the Weekly and, and I met a lot of people and I found a bunch of bands I thought were great and, and wrote a lot about them. But look, I didn't, I didn't really think about it then. It was like a job. I got cool perks. I didn't think like, oh, I'm a... I worked for the weekly, let me in the bill. But I, I, you know, it was just like, it was a cool thing. And I felt so grateful to be doing it. I didn't think about any impact I might've had on other people or that people would remember me so much. So it was great doing that interview because so many people that came out of nowhere talking about how much I had helped them. And, and that might take, go on along with, with what Heather had said about giving her a flower. I love to give gifts. I think that we're all so busy and maybe confused or freaked out that we really forget to, I feel like I, I am stingy with my gratitude and expressing my care and appreciation of people. And so I, I love doing little things like handing out little keys or- You, know. you made these like, these clips with like fun shapes on them and like bats or ghosts or something. And you like, you put a clip on me one night. It was, <laughs> was very cute. It was like, she's uh, crafty. Aww. Yeah, it's like, it makes me happy and I, I really want people to know I'm thinking about them because there's so many wonderful people in my life. And also this year already, I've lost five people. Oh you know, my God. One of them just you know, younger than me, just dropped out of a heart attack out of nowhere. One of the healthiest guy I know rode his bike all the time, heart problem on the crest, you know? Um, and then people that were ill, you know, I just go back to, you know, making art and cheating death one day at a time with my new mom. <laughs> <laughs> Memento mori, indeed. <laughs> so it sounds like I really like to go into people's like even like pre-goth origin stories. And from what you've already said, it sounds like your family dynamic when you were growing up already sounds like you had kind of a like alternative leaning and supportive family environment. What was that like? It's strange because like we weren't my mom listened to a lot of music, but besides that, there wasn't much culture. My dad was really not there too much because, you know, we didn't have it financially together and he worked a lot. But my mom and I would have our secret record and book binges where we would go out and, and stuff. And she just wanted a kid so bad. She just loved me so much. And, you know, she ironed my socks for me. And <laughs> there was no doubt I was a totally loved child and she wanted to support me in every way she could. As I got older, you know, we we're like a little bit more like besties and she trusted me so much. I could have used some more parental direction at that point <laughs> because, you know, I did some stuff that maybe I wouldn't think it was okay. If I was a kid, like going out with a 26 year old guy when I was 19, 
you know, going out, hanging out with a guy in West Hollywood and watch 16, who was an artist and it was totally fine. It wasn't creepy, but she wouldn't know that, you know? And then, and then of course, um, I was the scared straight from drugs girl because I believed school and I did really well in school until I lost school because school, you have a structure, you know what to do. Then you finish up and they say, go to college, figure out what you want to do, study somewhere. And I was like, ah. and a friend of mine, uh, my boyfriend introduced me some, some drugs. And I believe that scared straight thing. I tried some drugs and I'm like, oh, this stuff is great. They've been lying to me all these years. And uh, that turned into a, another problem, which is another story, which is, which is in the past. Cheers. Good for you. <sighs> yeah. People can just manage it i just was not able to become that person right yeah well it sounds like i mean you're here, here. <laughs> oh yeah. yeah you scaled that mountain and, yeah. and sometimes i look back at some stories around you know being loaded and they were insane i'm like i and that's also that the whole cheating death one 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 day at a time because most of the most dangerous positions i was in was totally because of my choices you know it wasn't like just happened out of nowhere so yeah, I've, I've, I've learned I don't regret it at all. I had a lot of great time, but it doesn't help me be the functional person today um, that I wanted to be. Yeah, so. well, that's well said. I wanted to bring up, because uh, a little mouse told me that you had been very close to Courtney Love at one point. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, Courtney... And um, Eric, the guitar player, we all lived in the same house. And we lived in that house because in college, I worked at Licorice Pizza. And one of my friends, dad, you know, the childhood home she grew up in, her dad wanted to get rid of because all this room. And so she thought if she moved in her friends, there would be like a reason to, for her to keep the house. So there was somebody who moved in downstairs. And then I moved upstairs. And then Eric needed a place. And he moved downstairs. And then... Courtney, oh, Eric put an ad in Music Connection because he wanted to do a band thing. He was an accountant then at Capitol. Ooh. Oh, wow. And, um, Courtney answered, they got together, they did the band, and eventually, you know, sh she lived there with Eric, under a shish shish kind of relationship. Then they broke up, but she still lived there. And um, I never had any problems with her. I, I knew <clears throat> some of her drama, um, and mostly it was around you know, being drunk or having to be taken care of and, you know, borrowing money to get her out of station. She never borrowed money from me. You know, I never had any drama with her ever, except for one time when she did something, I thought she took a bath while the guy who owned the house was, was gone. And I'm just like, this is not cool because if he comes home, it was like almost come home time and you're in the bathroom. That's so lame. We have our own bathroom. It's like, you know, that's just not cool. And then that was it. You know, we never, never had a thing. I go see the band once in a while and take care of stuff when they were touring. Um, but I do have a funny story. Yeah, please um, do tell. <laughs> I was coming home from the rainbow one night, super drunk. And my room was in the very front of the house. Like there's a little street up in the hills, was in the Hollywood Hills. And there was like my window, offset back door. And then everybody else was on the other side. They were done, down. So I'm trying to get this, just got home and I hear somebody calling for Courtney, like from the street. And I'm like, fuck, who is that? And I go out there and it's Kurt Cobain. And I said, oh, you're that guy from the band that sounds like the Pixies. 
<laughs> and, and, I, and he kind of smiled. And I said, you know, if you're looking for Courtney, don't be yelling outside my window. Go in the gate, go down the stairs. She's in the back. And, and then that, I went back in the house. And I watched a documentary the other day about the Pixies. And in it, people were talking about the Pixies. And Kurt Cobain said, you know, I love them so much. I just wanted to start a band that sounded like the Pixies. What? <laughs> oh, so I thought, okay, wait, at least he didn't take it as an insult when I said that. But the first time, oh, yeah. you know, so that was, and that was that. I moved to Seattle pretty recent, pretty quickly after they did for totally different reasons, but I never looked her up, you know. So they started was, in Hollywood? Yeah, I was a little confused about that. So they started in I Hollywood. I, they must have done something. Yeah. But I know she's from Washington. She's from yeah, like she's from town. Washington. But that's okay. So so she was with Eric before Kurt. I didn't know yeah, that. Eric is, yeah, for, for a while. I don't think it was a big deal. And I don't know how he dealt with not being with her, but he would he helped her a lot because she's all over the place. Mm. But she also has a lot of moxie and knows what she wants. So yeah. Moxie's a nice word for it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But when she got a nose job, she split her Vicodin with me. So it was okay. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah, I don't have any job. <laughs> Although I do feel pretty sorry for her when I think about it's none of my business, but it doesn't seem like she's in a happy place anytime I hear anything about her. Right. Especially like mm. being estranged from her daughter and, and all that. Gotta be pretty messy. Interesting. No, I love that. So you lived in the Hollywood Hills with Courtney Love. Yeah, I had no place to live because my, there was a, a robbery at my house that I grew up in with my mom and it was very not nice. And she, my mom had to get out of there. And I was like, gotta find some place to live now. And renting that room in the house was like, it was like $175 a month or something. I could wow. do it. <laughs> wow, and, yeah. Um, yeah, just these little parcels. So it was Hollywood Hills, yeah, but I have a room like, you know, 300 square feet, but my own bathroom. Um, That's a big deal. <laughs> you're in it was bathroom, fine. It's a big deal. That's <laughs> right, you know? What was your first club you went to, goth club? You know, I was trying to think about that. I, I don't remember a lot of details, but there was a place called the Grandia Room, and it's, it's on uh, El Centro and mm -hmm. Melrose, but now it's a big fancy building with some sushi restaurants underneath. And it was a club called Scream, but it wasn't anything to do with Gil Gloria yet. This was way, way back. I was underage. And um, and I had this boyfriend, had blue hair, and I can't remember his name. He would meet me there on the bus. And if you got there early, they didn't card you. So we went there early. That was the first place I ever heard Del Lugosi's dead. Wow. And I didn't know really what he was saying. I just knew I loved it. And I went to a final fetish and I said, hey, I was at this club and they played this song. I, I don't know, like the red rooster's dead. <laughs> <laughs> and, and they didn't mock me. Sure um, is. And um, and I got the, that album. They had that on it. And then within, I don't know, a month I had their, I bought their whole catalog. You know, I was just, wow, I was obsessed. Wow. And the Red Rooster's dead. <laughs> Sorry, that's I know. But later on, the Bauhaus did a video, something shadow of light, I think. And this is back in the day where people got together when somebody got a new album or a new video because everything wasn't on the internet. People had yeah. to actually work and dig stuff up. Yeah. So I had this, I had this Bauhaus video that wasn't important. It was 
and all my friends wanted to see us. So I had a little party. And one of the people I was hanging out with there back then was um, Perry Farrell, because I was a big Psycom fan, huge Psycom fan. And it was him and a few other people. And we were watching this video. And it was like, you know, it's groovy. It was like people came together to do stuff. Everybody wasn't, no one had phones. It wasn't a time yet. And I had a few parties like that with you buy a new album, everybody comes over and you have this like little party. And, and it was, it was really cool. It was, I don't know, it was real fun. I like I it. Love that. I like our, our friend Shock just did a listening party for the new Depeche Mode. And I, yes. I love that idea. It was at a venue, but not, but it, it sounds like it could just be in somebody's living room. I love that intimacy of like- The Momento Mori album? The, yeah. 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 Now we're full circle. <laughs> yeah. I love that. Yeah. That, I mean, when you look at things, really, connection with others is what really makes us happy. Yeah. I think we, not, that socialization is not for me or I'm, I'm too isolated because I'm doing my own thing, but and it's really not true. The study so. Yeah. Yeah. That is a thing that that's a theme that comes up a lot on this podcast. Cause I think it's really relevant to how the goth community functions because community is right there in the word, the term goth community, but we're often like, so seen as being isolation driven or, or isolation being like a core part of our sort of personas, but it, it wouldn't function as a scene or a community if we were actually that isolated. Right. Well, you know, I think when I was going to clubs early on, it did feel very clicky. I did not feel yes. part of at all. I didn't feel welcomed, but it was like I could tell it was my place to be. And I guess second round, when when uh, Kim got me back in, I realized that the waste of the possibility of being touched, moved, and inspired because other people have such magic or they're interesting. They're, they're very similar. So I made an effort. And I mean, I guess I can't help it. My name is Pollyanne. Um, one step away from Pollyanna, um, <laughs> but don't ever tell me that. That, that I missed that, and, and it's, it's it's mostly fear, fear and ego. And I said, "Fuck that!" And I always go up to people. I went to some guy I don't know that I could tell wasn't from somewhere that wasn't a regular, uh, some woman. And ends up she's from Phoenix, where my friend lives, and there's a goth club there on Wednesdays too. And nobody else was talking to her, so I try to I try to be a I guess an ambassador. Because <laughs> um, I, I didn't like that feeling I had. Because certainly, you know, it's, it, there's a thing about becoming goth. You learn some framework and also the, the dress. You know, I'm more of a fancy goth because I like accessories. But getting to that point, especially when you're a kid, you don't have money. But back then, there was no hot topic. You know, you cut yeah. your own sweaters and t shirts and dyed your stuff black. And that was really fun. And my yeah, mom you are fancy. Me. It's very, very impressive every time I see you. Yeah, you're fancy guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, what was the first song you danced to, if you can remember? No possible way. The Red Rooster is dead. <laughs> oh, something way before that. Yeah, no, I don't know. I hmm. don't know. But Bauhaus would be like you're up there with your favorite band. What are your? What do you like to hear when you go out? Who are your golden oldies? Well, um, you know, I get a little tired of Susie. Yeah. <laughs> and I um. I'm not a huge fan of Depeche Mode, but I, there's a few songs I like. I like hearing some of the more like B&B Nation stuff, Fictional, Co Covenant, Wump Scut. Um, of course, Love the Sisters. And um, yeah, I, Red Right Hand will always make me pop up and go dance. You know, And, and the new Gary Newman. I, I love yeah. a lot of the new Gary Newman. 
I went I went to see him at the graveyard. I always seem to live next to graveyards. Um, Hollywood Forever has a Masonic Hall. That they yeah, do yes. And he was testing, doing a test of his new album before it kind of got, I guess, went to tour. And I think that they didn't think that he was really very popular. People didn't remember him. So they only booked one show. But I guess with the ticket sales, they bought, booked another. So I went there to see him and it was one of the most phenomenal shows ever because it was almost like he was gleefully delight, delighted that so many people so loved him and he looked so connected and, and just him and no costume changes or fancy stuff yeah, yeah. fancy on the stage, just him with his band. And he was just like lit up and it was so one of the best shows I ever went to. And I think his new stuff is great. I like his old stuff too. And I like knowing about his struggles because he's had a bunch you know, I, we all have struggles, you know, and to use those, use them to get on or also just have the equanimity around it to keep doing stuff and not let it hold you down. He's a unique, a unique artist. I really enjoy him. Nothing like yeah, he seems like a very interesting person. He like legitimately does not know that he's famous. So he's always like kind of surprised that people care about him. <laughs> and he's hot. I saw him at the Grove and he was. He is hot. He is hot. <laughs> <laughs> and but I didn't want to bother him. I could tell that he would seem a little nervous, and and I didn't want to disturb his lunch. But I'm like, my friend's like, what? I'm like, you know, he's a person doing his life. He doesn't need to be <laughs> bothering him all the time to tell him how cool he is. Yeah. But I remember being like so charmed. He showed up at one of IMX's performance at the complex. At and, complex, yeah, yeah. I met and him just there too. Like hanging in the back. Oh, yeah. It's just it, it just seemed it was so cool. You know, they walk among us. <laughs> they do. I mean, that is the thing about our, our music scene is, is like we do all walk amongst each other. No one is on that much of a pedestal, I think, compared to like most like more pop leaning uh, music genres. Yeah. Maybe people that let the promoters really direct them so you don't see them them. Mm. Yeah. I mean, Nick Cave writing the red right hand and answering questions once in a while. God, yes. the connection to like this is a real person. This is not somebody who promoted to be a rock star. This is a guy who, who is brave enough and, and generous enough to really answer the question. <laughs> Very genuinely. I, I love the Red Hand Files. I'm a big supporter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, see? And if we weren't talking, so if somebody wasn't talking and told me about it, I wouldn't have known. Yeah. When did you start riding motorcycle? Um, about 28 years ago. I had a boyfriend in Seattle. Remember I talked about moving up to Seattle? Yeah. A few months after guys. And I was doing business. I worked at a post-production company at that point. I was doing business with a with a um, company up there. And this was a guy nobody else wanted to deal with because he was a seller. And he would always reorder stuff or order the wrong stuff. They give him to me. It was fine. I totally got, got him. And I knew that he would forget stuff. So I kept track of stuff and would remind him. And we got along great. He, so when we had to go deal with the company. He insisted that I come. And I was just a customer service person. So I did. It was fun. And I went to a golf club that night and I was kind of worked up and I didn't have a lot of time. So I saw this cute boy and I went up to him and said, Hey, you like girls? And he said, yeah. And I go, you want to dance? And uh, that turned into something. And he came back and forth. We saw each other for a while. And then I went up there to stay with him for a few months. He had a motorcycle and a BMW cafe racer. And we would go all over on it. It was really fun. I loved it. And when um when the relationship ended and I came back home, I thought about the whole thing. I thought, you know, I don't miss him, but I miss his motorcycle. <laughs> and I thought, fuck that. I can do, I can ride myself. 
I don't have to ride beige. So I bought this beater bike. I went to the Motorcycle Safety Foundation class that they do usually in the Hollywood Bowl. And the first year I just rode and kind of scared myself a lot. And, and then I met a guy that I could ride with and learn more. And then it got better and got bigger bikes and nicer bikes. And I had a friend that went, did track, track days out of Button Willow. He kept inviting me. I was afraid I was going to fall and mess up my bike. And I'm like, no, 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 but keep asking. And finally I did go and I did some track days and that was pretty phenomenal. And, uh, and I also met my husband because I was carrying a helmet and he was carrying a helmet. And wow. he was the guy that my hairdresser was trying to fix me up with <laughs> that we had never met that way. And, uh, you know, he's, and he's bliss. He's pure bliss. You know, we've been together probably 17 years, married 12. Every day is like Valentine's day with him. Oh, wow. And, uh, and yeah, he's the best. You know, and I think back if I hadn't got clean and done therapy and worked on myself and found be, become more serious about things of life, you know, I wouldn't have attracted such an awesome guy. You know, you kind of attract who you are. Mm. And I had more to offer, mm. so I attracted somebody that had more to offer. And um, and right now I'm not writing because of my knee replacement, it's still healing. And I'm a little bit on the fence if I'm gonna go back because you know, when I fall now, it's a bigger deal. Yeah. 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 So that's my motorcycle story. It's pretty badass. <laughs> Maybe I, I didn't think so at the time, but I look back and I go, yeah, yeah, that was pretty badass. <laughs> Most people start riding dirt bikes when they were a kid and kind of go up, but you know, it's different for everybody. I just like having that place of like, nothing's wrong, you know, and there's not judgment. I got to keep myself in that, especially compassion and judgment away from me because that's what makes upsets in me that's when i get angry and someone's going slow in front of me and i start judging them why you're such an asshole and then i think you're not an asshole you're just a person going somewhere like i am why do i get all high and mighty because it's a human hardwired thing well i want to knock that shit off and uh i think my husband helped me a lot with that and then i'm happier because i'm not making myself upset about some stupid thing as humans do it's a good philosophy yeah let me ask you this because <laughs> Uh -oh. I just ask you this: Have you ever ridden your husband on the back of your bike? I I don't think so. But my previous boyfriend, who is six six, I did ride him a lot on the back of my bike. <laughs> okay, nice. But, but he didn't ride, and then he wanted to learn to ride. He was a terrible rider, and I stopped riding. But my current, my, but but my current, I do have a practice husband way back in the back. But <laughs> the practice husband. But my husband now, I don't think I've ever needed to. I, uh, I, I, mean it, hmm? I only I mean, ask because yeah. it's it's a silly antidote and I'm high. Um, is that Tom, um, Tom rides motorcycles as well. And he dated some badass biker chick along a while back. And he showed up to a party and she was riding him on the back. And afterwards, all his guy friends came up to him and were like, dude, don't do that again. I'm like, that's fucked up. Yeah, they were like, not a good look. I was like, judging, judging, judging. I get well, it. Was funny. Yeah. yeah, that's fucking hetero shit. Fuck that. It is. It is. But I, the picture of it, because he's such a big guy, and like this, this woman was like petite, and like it was. Good I love. I mean, yeah. Who gives a shit what people say? But it just to me, it's like knowing Tom. It just seems like the most. Hey, next time you see him, yeah, I mean Tom being like a, the like you know looming dude that he is, but also like Tom's personality is like 
yeah, like that, that doesn't seem weird. <laughs> yeah, no. no, totally, totally. I mean, it's props to Tom and maybe I'm, I'm the asshole for laughing, but <laughs> maybe you are. <laughs> I think I am. I think you are. <laughs> so pardon my assholery. Uh, no, no, I, I made me think of my, my old, my old boyfriend. He was, he was like long hair. What's this waist? And six, six, he was like part Nespian and he loved riding on the bike and we'd go to, sh- we'd go to shows and stuff and races and he would get off and we'd be carrying our helmets and people would go immediately to him, ask him what kind of bike it is. And he goes, oh, and it's yours. I just ride bitch. And he was so proud of it. It's pretty cool. That's great. But when I broke my arm and I had to ride on the back of Thomas's bike, that's very hard. Once you're used to being in control, it's super scary. And we ride differently. Yeah, yeah. I don't like that. Mm-mm. Yeah, I bet. Anyway. I mean, it doesn't help that it's called riding bitch. I know. <laughs> I was like, that's misogynist in itself. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I know Kim was a catalyst in bringing you back into the world, but describe what you get out of it on a weekly basis now, even after, you know, when, when, if you don't mind me asking, when was your renaissance back into the goth world? I don't know. Terrible days. I mean, is it like 10 years, 20 years? Yeah. I guess I was out for, I don't know how many years. Let's see. I was with, was I probably with Thomas? Maybe I came back with 15 years, 10 years ago, 15 years ago, something like that. Okay. yeah, in that span, like you've seen a lot of clubs come and go. Do you oh, yeah. know why? I mean, I've, I mean, I've, I've been going for the for the past fifteen years. But yeah, what are your impressions of what we're doing right in our in our community and what we're doing wrong and what keeps you coming back? Hmm. Well, when I think of the glory days, I think of the park closet. Park closet. But, but when I think about today, I think it's it's super phenomenal a phenomenal <laughs> phenomenal because um the space that borders has is so beautiful yeah that's a big part of it you know you can just sit there and look around so i think this is actually i'm surprised that we've stuck so long and that we're getting stronger and stronger i'm surprised of the respect i get as an elder goth you know with the little baby bats when you know stuff oh you're a cute shirt oh yeah well i really saw them. you're christian death shirt oh yeah well i really saw them and i was at the party at Garaz's house and you know i wait still like them now I'll come back to that in a minute i'm gonna make you tell <laughs> me that story <laughs> and, uh, and and that they're interested in that it's the, the, so vibrant um i'm i'm amazed and happy that they're such it's so strong and i think the stuff that you guys are doing with this is just strengthening it it's definitely like i said my biggest socialization I'm happy. I just feel bliss once I get there. It's hard for me to get dressed and get out of the house because, um, you know, I get that gap between work and the club and that's can be very dangerous. Yeah. Gap. Oh, I know <laughs> that. Yeah. I know that lazy. But part of it helps because Larry picks me up. So you make a plan. And a lot of times Thomas will pick me up afterwards if Larry wants to stay longer. And that's always great because Chewy, the door guy who I adore, um, I always loves Thomas's old because Thomas has old French cars that he restores. So he's either bringing a super fancy one or one that's totally a hoopty and Chewy loves them all. So that's fun. I have that connection. <laughs> it's always fun when you get to like, know, when you know the door girls and stuff and mm-hmm. especially when you have to pay. So being free is a big part of, yep. not that I can't afford it, but there's something so nice about that. Yeah. You know, paying back to the, the goss and people that have kept their clubs going for so long. So yeah, it's, I gotta say bliss. You know, I get in there, I feel at home. It's beautiful. It's dark. The music's good. 
What was that? The Park Plaza. A uh, scream was there. Oh, that's where uh, scream. Right okay. Oh, okay. And those stairs going up, and they had vendors, and you got to walk through MacArthur Park. And <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. Yikes. It wasn't ever as decorated and beautiful, but the building on its own watch. Yeah. Does your husband ever come out? Yeah. Yeah, he'll come out. Not really his scene, like Larry's wife. It's not really her scene. He will anytime I ask him, but it's not like he will come up with it. So let me go with you tonight. Uh-huh. <laughs> he's come. He's come quite often throughout the years. Nice. Does it tie your corset? You bet. <laughs> I do that myself. <laughs> no, no, no. Gotta have a man around. Well, a person around. <laughs> Okay, you just like super casually, like it was nothing mentioned partying with Ross Williams. So like, please elaborate. <laughs> um, well, it was during the weekly years for sure. And mm-hmm. I don't remember, I guess it was a few of us that weren't, it wasn't like he went directly to me and said, you are invited. I was with a group of people that were invited. So it was a kind of a reputable house. It was his own standalone house, little old house. And it was very much Ross, you know, it was kind of tore down, trying to, you know, ripped up stuff, but lots of gothy stuff. And I remember at that time I was super um, into carrying my, my ferret Boris with me. I took him everywhere. (laughs) That is a whole ass vibe. (laughs) (laughs) Ferret vibe. (laughs) And and so he was with me. um, Oh my God. And so everyone was playing with him. I, I don't remember talking to Roz a lot, just maybe kind of just like small stuff, but it was at his house. And yeah. with a cool group of people that were older than me. Um, and everybody loved Boris. Boris had his own birthday party. I mentioned a lot of cool people. My God, I love that. Shout out to Boris. Was yeah. it like an all nighter or was it was people- after a club thing? It was after club. It was definitely late. Yeah, I don't know how much his neighbors liked him, but <laughs> I, um, yeah, it was pretty sparsely decorated. The house didn't have a lot of stuff in it. You uh-huh. know? And like I said, my best historian class preloaded a lot of the time. But yeah, I, I can't even remember forgetting you. So, but anyway, it was fun. It was a fun thing to do. It was nice to be invited. It's pretty amazing. Yeah, that's a part of your history. Do you have any suggestions to how we could do things differently as a community, or in the club world, or music preferences, or aesthetic pre- preferences, policy preferences? You've talked about being free is a very nice gift to give back. Mm-hmm. Well, I think, and that might sound counter-supporting, I think that the, the dress code is incredibly important. That keeping a dress code there, you know, and even though some people get turned away, it's usually like tourists and people that really don't know what's going on. It makes it very specific and helps you get into, if you want to come, cool, but you have to put a little effort into it too. And um, and also our, our, our door people are great. You know, when they have to turn somebody away, they're, they're friendly, they explain why they're never dicks. I think that that gives us another foot up by being, you know, we're, we're doing our thing and you're not uninvited, but you have to play a little bit. That's a very good point. I think because I see Jessica and Lisa do it all the time and it's like, it's never um, an attack on the person. It's very clear that it's like, it's not that you are not invited. It's that if you want to come back, knowing what you now know, you're hundred percent welcome to. I do notice that they're very clear about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's great. And I don't know, maybe I'm just being, but when I would see people with ball caps and t-shirts and, and sneakers, it just made me mad. Like, like, this is our place. We have to kind of work hard to have our place because you guys used to, I mean, I've had 
you know, we've all had stuff. And I remember because of my choices of how I thought was pretty, what my aesthetic was, what I liked to wear, how I felt good with what I was wearing was so different from other people that I've had people grab their children away from me, like walking down <laughs> the road, pull their children actually wow. away from me because I had green dreadlocks or a chain with connected to my earring from my nose. And so I feel like we did a little bit to get here. And so we get to protect our domain a little bit, but teach as we do it. I think yeah. it's great. Yeah, I can't really think of anything specific. Okay. Oh, I said that was really nicely said, but then I interrupted you by saying that. <laughs> no, I interrupted you first. <laughs> so yeah, I'm I'm happy we're still we're still moving it. And no, I'm really happy. I think it, I'm I'm delighted. It's like I know that in the in the future, I don't know how many years I might be moving more towards Santa Barbara. And I'm like, oh, I don't be I mean in Ventura area. Sorry, not no. And I'm like, so what? I'll drive down here on Wednesday night. You're going to go shack up with Kim? No, I wish I'd go to Ohio. She's up there. <laughs> Probably more Fillmore-ish. Oh, okay. Hmm. My husband's work and shop stuff. Yeah, I, I love it that much. And I, I hate that I have to push myself out of the door sometime. But, you know, the lazy, it comes. With having a, having a, a buddy, once you make a promise to somebody else, it's much stronger chance I'll keep it than if I make just a promise to myself. Totally. Yeah, there was back when I started uh, coming back into the club world. And I think it was right around the time I was already in it, but Warlock was started um, mm -hmm. on Tuesdays. And at the time JP was like my club buddy. So he would always pick me up. There's always like something in that where it's like, sure, I'll go because I don't have to think about driving and worry about that. Like it was just an easy, of course, you know, I'm going to go. There is something to that. That's nice. You guys have that. Now, do you go out specifically once a week or do you go out more than I'm trying to think if I see you anywhere else? Other Not than anymore. Okay. No, pretty much. I've been going, there's a new industrial club on Thursdays. It just started up. I went there last oh, yeah. week. It was real fun. It's right around the corner from where the Ruby was, where we used oh. to have perversion. Yeah, that's, that's right. The doom and boom. Yeah. It's a beetle house, right? Beetle house, right. I like that and I don't work on Fridays, so that might become a possibility. If there's a good concert, I'll go out. Lately I've been going mostly shows to the Palladium. Yeah. But um I don't, you know, it's not like when I was at the weekly, you know, my I go to three three or four bands a night sometimes. And what there's a column I don't know if they still do it called La Di Da. It's about people doing stuff around town. And <laughs> Alyssa her her uh her, her title for me was Glamorous Nightcrawler. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> best, I'll take that. <laughs> I love it. I know my tombstone, you know. Um, that sounds like heaven. Three or four shows a night. Oh, wow. But I was also young, you know, much younger and probably doing copious amounts of speed. So, <laughs> yeah, that'll get you to three or four shows a night. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hmm. There's, there's many great people I've met, you know, really good friendships. Yeah, there's. Mostly really solid, cool people. Got some good eggs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Solid stock. So when we first hopped on this Zoom before we started recording, you were just like, sort of, again, casually mentioning like a really cool story that I was like, oh my God, please stop talking because we need to save <laughs> yes. this for the podcast. You were just casually being like, oh yeah, I guess I was invited to a black mass. So I might have some interesting <laughs> stories. And then it started going down that hole and I'm just like, please stop. <laughs> so now please restart tell me about that please uh go down the hole again um well i guess it was funny just because my husband had brought it up and i haven't thought about it forever 
Um, yeah, I was invited to a high black mass by a priest from the Church of Satan. And he's also a sculptor. So I knew him from my from work in the toy industry. I worked there for a long time. I worked in special effects and I worked in toy industry until, until I had some uh, physical problems and went back to school. Now I work in mental health where the real creative minds are in South Central. So um, I knew- I want to get back to that too. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so um, he invited me. He really, really wanted me to go. It was super important that I went. And it was kind of a fancy thing. And it was, I think, a pretty expensive, you know, door ticket thing. And it was super formal and very serious. And and um, I don't find it particularly serious, but but it was super. He kept hounding me, and I said, "Okay, all right, Brian, I'll go." Um, and then he told me about the dress code. I said, well, I'm coming on a motorcycle, so I'll be wearing leather pants, but I'm not going to be wearing a gown. And he's like, okay, okay, we'll make an exception with you. I'll tell the door guys it's okay. And so I went and they did their thing. Was this in Los Angeles? It was. It was at the Steve okay. Allen Theater. And, and what do you mean did their thing? What did they do? Oh, ritual yes. stuff. They talked. You know, that kind of corny, you know ritualistic stuff there was a naked girl up on a piano through the whole thing. eyes wide shut type shit i i started that movie and it really scared me so i stopped watching it oh <laughs> <laughs> sorry i'm missing <laughs> that is okay you've been to a, a legit church of satan black mass and eyes wide shut scared you what's going on i know it's like my mind or something okay. but what's what's strange is that you know um i have i rarely lose a friend because there's something that they're into that I'm not interested or maybe even have stronger feelings about. Um, you know, I didn't care that he was a Satanist. He was my buddy and it was important to him. So I went, um, you know, so I think that, that, you know, there's, it, it takes a lot for me to lose a friend. So that was fun. It was fun. It was yeah. nice to be invited. <laughs> so it was like a, a relatively like positive to neutral experience. <laughs> oh, I think it was positive because, you know, do what thou wilt is the whole of the law. Sure. <laughs> it's like, okay, maybe it's do what thou wilt is the whole of the law. Now I am a high priest of Satan. I know. It's <laughs> you know it has a lot of, I guess, possibilities for creation and recreation. Um, I, I'm much more of a, I want it to work for everyone, no one left out kind of person. But there's people that are into that. And people, I don't know, people that really want to feel special and apart from, you know, it's very important. That's yeah. just my person, you know. I'm not. Now, I know that your present work, which you just briefly skipped over, um, about your work with the homeless. No, I work with the same people. Well, some homeless, but always okay. the same people all the time. Not crisis where they just drop in. Okay. No. Yeah, and and yeah, tell us about that. Yeah. I really want to know know more about that and how it relates to the rest of your life. Well, it's funny when I couldn't do. I have a tremor, a segmental dystonia in my right hand. I've had it since '95. And it started getting pretty bad. Um, and I was model building films. Well, I couldn't hold things and glue them or paint them because of the hand. So I thought, what can I do? Oh, I'll train myself to be left-handed and then I'll just work doing simpler things. So I did and I worked in the toy industry for seven years um, with my left hand. And it was, I didn't think much about it at the time because I thought this is what I do. I got to find a way to do it. You know, my education is an art. This is what I like. And with a toy, you, know, you can have a little jig and just use one hand. But, you know, I was pretty hush. I was pretty good with airbrushing and doing movie stuff to go down to just being mediocre as a toy painter. Mm. I didn't want to bug me, but I, I could see that the work wasn't like what I wanted. It was passable. It was professional. I went off to China and got made. No one had any problems. But I could tell that I was never as good as I was with my right hand. And then 
the tremor, okay, I got that. And then I got in a motorcycle accident and actually literally broke my right arm in half. And I'm Whoa. thinking, you know, is this a message maybe I'm missing from the divine that's, you know, consciousness that maybe I should be somewhere else? I was on disability and someone told me, because I was just trying to find a way to go back into the art field. Like, maybe I can be a receptionist and seven artists. You know, this was all I knew. And my friend said, be be open to what the universe is conspiring to show you, even if you don't recognize it. So I listened to that and someone from a class that I coach was uh, a psychiatrist down at the village in Long Beach, which one, one of the first places to really use the recovery model, helping the mentally ill instead of the medical model. Medical model, take your meds, stay a small life, no stress. The recovery model is let's work with what you have so you can have the best life you can have very different mm -hmm. um, and he told me about this fellowship and i thought oh i could never do that it's possible and i thought what my friend said and i was already on disability it was at the school i graduated from so i'm like i'll just half-ass try that interviewed i got in and the first day I, I was so impressed with how much dedication the facilitators had and how this recovery model fit into people with mental illness which is like one in four they say i think it's probably higher and um in the levels of mental illness and I loved it and I uh I finished the course um one of the facilitators came to help me with my my resume one day while I was getting my hair done so I had ordered her a couple of blue extensions you know she has she had black hair and we were having fun and a phone call came and for a job that she thought I was perfect for they said she said I got somebody and I interviewed the next week I had green dreadlocks went in a pinstripe suit and a motorcycle and got hired right away, got sent to corporate right away, and got it like that. I thought the woman behind me was super awesome, and it was been great. You know, that company really was a wonderful company. It's grown since, and it's become more of a corporation. It's not what it was. But the people who grew me were amazing. Oh, I did an internship on Skid Row, and that's why I learned why I didn't want in a, in a job. Okay. Because I don't think I can do drop-in crisis, where it's always something you could never get you don't really see the person again and it's either better or not. And it's, it's very stressful yeah. for me. So I wanted to work with the same people. I work in a wellness center where people are pretty stable. A lot, some are still homeless, but they can get around on their own. They can take care of their own business mo most of the time. And I love community. And, and they love me because they know I love them because they're just awesome, you know? So I, it's, it's a nice place to be. Yeah. And <clears throat> Generous nature kind of shining through there. Yeah, I think that so many people are the unseen, maybe undereducated, poverty, not modeled to good stuff people. This, I've had people almost cry the second time I saw them. I remember their name. Do you remember my name? You mm -hmm. know, so little just to be respected and seen. And uh, so, in a kind word, you know, it's like be kind whenever possible. It's always possible. Goes a long yeah. way. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I didn't know that about you. And that uh, just adds so many layers. And I, I keep, you know, learning more about people in our community um, being involved in mental health services. I'm going to be one of them as well. Um, my mother is one of them. And yeah, it's like, I, ugh, God, it, 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 I get the heart explodey feelings. Oh, I love that. That's my <laughs> yeah. best ever. Oh, I love that. I love the way you say that to you. <laughs> best. Hmm. Cool. And, you know, also, I think they appreciate that I'm not afraid to be who I am. 
that I'm authentic. They connect that. Because a lot of social workers, yes. you see them in a polyester pantsuits. You know, I come with my big boots and ripped up stuff. And, you know, for Halloween, I went full goth, but not, you know, without something underneath my boss, my corset, you know. <laughs> um, but <laughs> they see me and they, they know that I'm me. And it makes them, I think, trust me more or appreciate me more, more real. I think that's 100% right. I think authenticity goes farther than than the mainstream uh, realizes or gives credit for. And I've, I mean, I can anecdote a little bit, like I've been coming into like contact with like even friends, like questioning if I'm going into this field, am I going to change my appearance? Am I going to do my hair differently? All this, this kind of thing. And I'm like, absolutely not. Because I actually, if when I was younger and in a position to be seeking someone you know, to get help from, it would have meant so much if I could sort of read them as an individual, you know? So if you think about it from the person who is, who is seeking the help, if you're seeking it from a real, real ass person, <laughs> that can be much more valuable than someone who just looks cred like objectively credible. Yeah. And I think having lived experience doesn't really help too. And, you know, it takes character to, to have that kind of viewpoint, like you just said. It takes character and strength and, and, and being grounded in who you are. I remember in college, I was struggling with depression and I went to see a counselor. And one of the very first things she said to me was, why are you wearing so much black? And I thought, oh my God, exactly. that is not my problem, lady. And I never went back. You know, that's like the one thing I feel okay about. Oh my God. <laughs> I had the same experience as a teenager and I was so just like, irritated by the fact that like my gothness was being pathologized where it was like they need to be able to see past that and to what the real problems are like this is not this is not the problem no <laughs> this yeah. is the positive way of coping with the problems that are out there yeah. and, and i think that some of this stuff is about being authentic it's really based in fear you know people still have this pure thing they're going to judge me who fucking cares you don't pay my light bill you know so and also the mental health i think is really under undermine too because i think it shouldn't be mental health it should be mental illness or mental i mean mental mental injury because sometimes mm. the things that happen you get injured you get past it That's sometimes so you're organic in your mind yeah um, you can help things mental injury that's and, a great concept yeah and also we all have i think it should be a human problem not like a specific thing mm -hmm. yeah i think if you don't struggle with anything that you're pretty lucky and rare so it's about resilience especially what we've been through with this COVID, it is about resilience. And I think that should be taught more than anything else. How do, yeah. we, how do we deal with this? What can I do to help myself when these things just keep throwing at me? You know, I've lost five people this year already. It's like, it's going to keep coming. The older I get to be, the more I'm going to lose. And how am I, who am I going to be in the face of heartbreak? You know, I mean, just Cody, I'm, I'm heartbroken about Cody. Yeah. You know? Um, so yeah, that, that resilience, because I do want to be upset free. And that means I have to look at first, what am I doing to upset myself? How am I going to process stuff outside it? Because I really want to do everything with grace and equanimity. You that person that you hear, you see them so fine. And you talk to them for a second. Oh, they just got evicted. Their kids got cancer. It's like all this stuff. How can you be okay? It's like, this is the way it is. I accept all the good. I accept all the bad and I'm going to be okay. If I was to show up as a client for both of you, I would feel <laughs> like I, like you are giving me permission to be myself, 
by being yourselves and expressing yourselves in that way, you know, in your own true way and not worried about looking and molding into a certain ideal. So I, I, yeah, cool. I think we should hand out business cards at the end of it. Let's tag team, Nessa. Yeah. Oh my God. Well, that's delightful. That's yeah. Mm-hmm. You, you got layers, Pollyann. <laughs> yep. That's kind of what we do on this podcast is uncover all of the, we, well, we open the graves and unbury the layers. <laughs> I think often people don't think there's underneath, there's much underneath. They really, they have an idea and they sell us very short. Like people coming yeah. up to you. I mean, I don't make as much effort as I did to dress mostly because of my hand and stuff and time and my skin's not as good. Um, but that idea when somebody comes up to you and says, you went to college, you know, you know that <laughs> really <laughs> underestimate you because they yeah. think who you are, but so they can. And obviously that's a person that may not, I might not do anything to educate further because I don't care. I got, I got my posse already. I got my tribe. You know, it was kind of rude that you would say that. That's very <laughs> hey, rude. Baby. My baby's home. Hello. Hi, Sylvester and Heather. Hello. That's oh, hi. Hey, <laughs> we got a visitor. Welcome to the going. podcast. Yeah. All right. <laughs> so, he's the best. Aw. What's this model in the background I see? Oh, it's my haunted dollhouse. Oh, my God. It's so cool. <laughs> working on it for about 30 years, actually, from when I was working on films, but Whoa. I don't know if you can see it very well. I, can I have the lights on. Yeah. That's so That's amazing. Please send me photos of that so I can put that on the Instagram when we, when we post this. Because <laughs> that's really cool. That's what we've been looking at the whole time. Wow. So I'm going to narrate this. Pollyanna is spinning a full, <laughs> full dollhouse on a rotating uh, device. And it's a beautiful, like, black. It kind of looks like my hair, actually. It's all black and green. Haunted <laughs> dollhouse. All the wiring yes. goes to the tubes and it's got a centrifugal connection so you can turn it all the way without getting stuck on cords. Oh, well, cool. It's awesome like that. Well, you should we should have a little get together where you can see them in person. It's much better. Yeah, I love that. Show you all my books with actual printing in them. They're leather bound. I love it. <laughs> I am about it. We both, we all are, yeah. <laughs> okay, cool. Well, this has been a lovely treat. Uh, Vesta, is there anything else you want to discuss or... No, I guess, um, I mean, this is going to sound like a bit of a downer, but it's not meant that way. But, but since Pollyanne brought it up, um, I realized that we keep dedicating episodes to people in our scene who are passing because, uh, like, as you've mentioned, it keeps happening. So I actually do want to just dedicate this one to Cody since you brought him up um, and his memorial is on Sunday. Uh, that'll be, that will have been in the past by the time this is out, I think. But, yeah, he was a long long time bartender at Ordner's part of the family and he would have been just turning 30 and it's very sad mm-hmm. to Cody but yeah just a young oh. I know reasons yeah to, uh, very young living style life to the fullest and, and when you need help don't feel afraid to do it know that we all are so connected and love each other and support each other asking for help is actually being asked for help is a privilege it really yes. is and um yeah, what a sweet guy. And unfortunately, you know, I think about my feelings and the families and everybody else's. Yeah. Just lost another one that's really a awesome spirit. Yeah. Sorry yeah. I brought it down at the end. I keep doing <laughs> that. No, no, no. That's you know, that's life. Circle. It is. Life. <laughs> so 
how many people nice connecting with you and and doing this and learning more about you beyond the beautiful fancy shell we see at the clubs (laughs) yeah yeah and hopefully if you feel like coming out to another free thing on a thursday we're doing obelisk now every uh second thursday of the month yeah at Risky Business in North Hollywood, and I'm producing it. Heather is one of the DJs. It's uh, We had our first one last month. Uh, right. Yeah. Come on out. Excellent. Thank you. One more thing to have planned. Yeah. We're trying to contribute, you know. <laughs> cool. Well, I was um, pleasantly surprised, yes, and it was very nice to be thought of and nice to uh, share some of my, done a lot of cool shit in my life. I forget about it. <laughs> Thanks for sharing the bullshits. <laughs> i want to hear your stuff next <laughs> sure <laughs> anytime yeah well come and visit your dollhouse i love that who haunts it by the way um well i don't know <laughs> i don't know i only have i have a one doll in there and she's uh behind the staircase facing the wall because she's been very bad Ooh, um, I, oh god i hate dolls i tried oh god, that was creepy boy <laughs> I have a bottle tree that actually is to ward off spirits that I, I, I'm trying to attract and catch them. So I'm always, you know, they're yeah. all like tiny hand blown. Unbelievable. Some people come in. Oh, amazing. Yeah. Little wine bottles. I get a syringe and put water inside to attract the evil spirits into the house. Wow. Nobody by name though. Sorry. Actually, you might be the ghost because, like, as far as the uh-huh. dolls are concerned, you might be the the haunting force, haunting them. Yeah, outside of our normal perception. Mm. Cool. Those, yep. those colors that uh, the, the sounds of dogs here that we can't hear. Well, they're still there, aren't they? Whoa. Exactly. <laughs> well, thank you so much, and thanks for bearing with my uh, crazy brain at the moment Heather your dentist brain is doing just great I'm like I'm like cross-eyed over here I'm looking at myself in the zoom and I'm just like who are you my eyes look weird anyway oh my god all right get some rest I'm gonna put myself down very shortly (laughs) okay this has been a delight thank Thank you you. Pollyann see you next Wednesday (laughs) bye good night